0: Good morning, folks. Andrew Torba here, CEO of Gab.com. Welcome to Free Speech Radio. Today we're talking about the big ramp-up from big tech uh, for the big censorship push prior to the election here. right. So we're under 90 days until the presidential election, and big tech is making some big moves to start the censor ma- censorship machine roaring here. Uh, so that they can control the narrative and hopefully influence the election that's what they're trying to do um, no surprises but let's go down and down this rabbit hole here and let's break break down what they're doing so a lot of stuff going on Trump administration asked court to dismiss big Tech's challenge to social media executive order the Trump administration has filed a motion asking a court to dismiss a lawsuit against the president's executive order targeting social media companies, calling it a, quote, profound misunderstanding, according to a copy of the motion seen by Reuters. The lawsuit was brought in June by the Center for Democracy and Technology, a Washington-based tech group funded by Facebook, Alphabet, which is Google's uh, parent company, and Twitter, Inc. It marked the first major legal test of President Donald Trump's directive. Trump issued an executive order in May against social media companies in an attempt to regulate platforms where he has been criticized, just days after Twitter took the rare step of fact-checking one of his tweets about mail-in voting. Trump threatened to scrap or weaken a law known as Section 230, which protects internet companies from litigation over content posted by users. The lawsuit by CDT argued that Trump's social media executive order violates the First Amendment rights of social media companies, will chill future online speech, and reduce the ability of Americans to speak freely online. Uh, This is one of the rare times that I agree with what Big Tech is saying here, uh, and I disagree with the president's social media executive action. So I, I wrote on this. Back in June, right around the time that this was happening, Um, you know, a lot of people who talk about Section 230 uh, do not understand Section 230. They have not read Section 230. Section 230 is established law and has plenty of legal precedent backing it. Um, You know, big tech also spends millions of dollars lobbying in D.C. and contributing to both campaigns. So thinking that anything is going to happen to Section 230 is just a joke. It's never going to happen. And I'm glad that it's not going to happen, by the way. Section 230 is very important um, for protecting uh, not only big tech, uh, but also us, right? Also GAAP, also startups that are seeking to compete with big tech. Um, If any regulation were to come of Section 230, it would be to solidify big tech's power and control. So again, many people who are talking about Section 230 they haven't actually read it, so we can go through and actually read it <laughs> and, and, and understand what it's doing and what it actually says. So uh, in Section C1, it says, No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information provider. Section two C2A, Civil Liability. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be held liable on account of any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access or availability to the material that the provider or user considers to be obscene, lewd, uh, lascivious, uh, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. Now this is the key part. Right? This basically allows Gab, it allows Facebook, it allows Twitter, it allows Google, it allows, it allows the New York Times in their comment section, it allows a, a blogger, anybody, to remove content uh, that they deem to be objectionable, whether or not that content is protected by the Constitution. Right. So Section 230 says nothing about political neutrality and for good reason. Who defines what neutrality is? Who enforces this? Any proposal to add any form of political neutrality to Section 230 would be itself unconstitutional, which is why we see um, you know, these big tech companies uh, suing the president, going after the president for this executive order, because it does infringe on their First Amendment rights. It's absolutely right. And they're likely going to win this case as well, just so everybody knows. Um, Section 230 protects technology companies from being held liable for the speech of others. Meaning, if you're posting on a website and you say something defamatory, um, you know, Facebook cannot be sued for your speech. Gab cannot be sued for your speech. What Section 230 does not prevent is uh, Facebook or Gab from exercising their own free speech rights. And and nor nor should it, by the way. Big tech companies will easily argue this in court and they're going to win. I'm sorry. But they're going to win this one because this is this executive order that Trump put out is not good. Um, it's it's going to fail. Bottom line, I'm sorry to break the news to you. Um, you know, when the president is wrong, when the president does something wrong, it's important to criticize it. I know everybody likes to see that some sort of action is being taken against big tech, but this is this is Kabuki theater, and it's it's not going to pass the legal muster here. So, the text of Section 230 is very clear companies that act in good faith to remove content that they themselves find objectionable or that their users find objectionable whether or not that content is constitutionally protected are shielded from being held liable from the speech of their users. When Big Tech is fact-checking the president or editorializing content Section 230 does not apply to that speech because it is them speaking. What it does is it protects them from your speech. So, if Big Tech says something defamatory in their fact checks of the president, the president can sue Big Tech, or anybody else can sue Big Tech if they if they break the law, if they say something that's illegal, defamatory, if they make uh, you know threats, any of the normal things that would apply to speech uh, that are not protected by the First Amendment, um, they would be able to take action on that. So, Section 230 is about protecting pro- platforms and providers from the speech of others. It does not mean that they cannot speak themselves, right? This isn't very complicated if you read the text of Section 230. Section 230 is by far the single most important shield protecting free speech online right now. And if we're going to tweak it, uh, it's going to be tweaked in the favor of big tech. So we don't want to tweak it. Tweaked. We don't want it. We don't want to amend it at all. It's good as it stands. It has decades of precedent now. So that's step number one. Story number two here. Fortnite Maker challenges Apple and Google's App Store rules through direct payment discounts. So once again, this is the pervasive issue, and this is the issue that keeps coming up over and over and over again, is the Apple and Google App Store duopoly. It is not a free market when two corporations control 98% or more, I think it's 99% now, of mobile app distribution. Okay, that is not a free market, that is a duopoly. We have antitrust laws in place to prevent this type of abuse of the market, and we're seeing it every day. Uh, Just the other day, in one of my other episodes, I talked about how Apple and Google were preventing, um, or Apple, rather, was preventing Google and Microsoft and Facebook from uh, getting their own mobile games app stores on the Apple iOS App Store. Apple is not allowing this because they want to be able to approve every single game that comes on the App Store. They don't want that control to go over to Facebook or over to Microsoft or over to Google. Today we have Fortnite, uh, which is challenging Apple and Google's App Store rules through their direct payment discounts. So as a mobile developer, as a mobile app developer, this is the other problem with the App Stores. Um, Apple and Google basically have a tax on any revenue that is made through the app stores. So you have your taxes from your governments when you're making money, and now you have your Apple and Google app store tax, which is around 30%. It's pretty high. It's it's ridiculously high, actually. So the direct payment option appears to skirt Apple's app store and Google's play store rules, which require Epic to give those firms a 30% cut of revenue made through the app. So, you know, Epic Games is uh, the, the maker of Fortnite, is trying to get around this Apple and Google App Store tax of 30%. And now it looks like they're going to be challenging them in some way. So, Fortnite maker Epic Games on Thursday announced new payment options that allow customers to buy in game credits directly from Epic Games on both Android and iPhone. The direct payment option to Epic appears to skirt. Apple's App Store and Google's Play Store rules, which require Epic to give those firms 30% of revenue made through the app. And it shows again that Epic is willing to fight Apple and Google on terms that require developers to pay a cut of revenue through in-app purchases. In July, for example, Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney told CNBC's Julia Borstein on Squawk Alley that the Apple App Store is a, quote, absolute monopoly, And Google's control of Android essentially stifles competing stores. This is true. Sweeney even suggested in July that Epic would be better off charging customers directly. A spokesperson for Epic was not immediately available to comment on the news. If every developer could accept their own payments and avoid the 30% tax by Apple and Google, we could pass the savings along to our consumers and players would get a better deal on items and then you'd have better economic competition. And that's exactly what Epic did on Thursday. Currently, when Apple and Google payment options, Apple collects a 30% fee and up to a 20% price drop does not apply. Epic said it in a blog post announcing the changes. If Apple or Google lower their fees on payments in the future, Epic will pass along savings to you. To avoid that fee, gamers, must, uh, gamers can just pay through the new Epic Direct payment option. Fortnite is massively popular. Epic knows this. And it may suggest the company wants to see if Apple and Google are willing to upset Android and iPhone users by taking action against Epic. So, Epic Games is basically calling Apple and Google's bluff here. Fortnite is obviously a massively popular game, um, and they're going to allow the gamers to directly pay them for in-app purchases versus going through the Apple App Store and Google Play Store and getting the 30% cut of Revenue uh, to Apple and Google, so it'll be interesting to see how Apple and Google reply here and respond. Because Epic is a very big gaming company; they have other apps, I assume, on the the app stores. And Fortnite is a massively popular game. So, are they going to pull the Fortnite app from the app stores? Be interesting to see what happens here. But again, it just highlights the problem of the app store duopoly, which nobody seems to be discussing. Um, everybody wants to talk about Section Two Thirty. No one wants to talk about the app store duopoly, which is preventing competition, right? And and they're using their market power to rob, let's just call it what it is, rob mobile app developers of 30% of their revenue and stifle competition, uh, like banning GAV from the app stores, for example. So nobody seems to be talking about this, but this is a problem that I'm going to keep highlighting because it needs to be talked about. We have antitrust laws in place in this country for a reason, and what we have here is a clear duopoly. Uh, Let's use the antitrust laws that we have on the books to break up this duopoly um, and to allow more free market with mobile app distribution. How to use Twitter's new tool to limit replies to your tweets. So, just in time for the election, uh, you know, the, the topic of the overarching topic of this this uh, this this episode today is how big tech is ramping up uh, their censorship tools. Uh, just in time for the election, here, so Twitter just rolled out a new tool that allows celebrities and journalists and big brands to essentially uh, turn off <laughs> the replies to their tweets. Which is going to effectively kill Twitter because that's where most of the exciting conversations, most of the dunking, as it's called, happens, is in the reply section. So, you know, what we're going to see is journalists who are spreading lies and misinformation, um, and we're going to see big brands who are spreading woke progressive orthodoxy turn off their replies so that nobody can reply and call out their nonsense. And uh, you know, Twitter is basically going to become this big echo chamber of celebrities and of uh, propagandists and of big corporate brands shouting to the wind with no one able to reply to them. So this is uh, an interesting new feature from Twitter, and just uh, one of the many examples that I'm going to go through today of big tech ramping up their censorship. So earlier this week, uh, VDare's YouTube channel was uh, banned. Uh, from YouTube and not only that we saw um, you know similar action here from Facebook so if you try to share a VDARE link any VDARE link on Facebook you get this pop-up that says you can't post this this URL goes against our community standards on spam and then it shows the VDARE link so you're now not allowed to share any VDARE links on Facebook and VDARE is now banned completely from YouTube so what we're seeing is this coordinated um, you know purging of wrong thinkers of people that you know dare cover stories that the mainstream media is not going to cover who dare to talk about the real issues in this country that no one else is talking about VDARE is one of those outlets and we're seeing that they're paying the price for that so YouTube has purged them and now Facebook is not allowing anybody to share their links on Facebook at all. It's absolutely incredible. Facebook beefs up anti misinfo efforts ahead of the U.S. election. Facebook will start labeling all U.S. posts about voting to send users to quote authoritative information about the elections. Beginning Thursday, U.S. Facebook users who post about voting may see an addendum to their messages labels redirecting readers to quote authoritative information about the upcoming presidential election. It's the social network's latest step to combat election-related misinformation on its platform as the November 3rd election nears, one in which many voters may be submitting ballots by mail for the first time. Facebook began adding similar links to posts about in-person and mail-in ballot by federal politicians, including President Donald J. Trump, in July. These labels will link to new voter information hub similar to one about COVID-19 that Facebook says has been seen by billions of users around the world. The labels will read, Visit the Voting Information Center for election resources and official updates. Despite such efforts, Facebook continues to face widespread criticism around how it handles misinformation around elections and other matters. The company has generally refused to, quote, fact-check ads by politicians, for instance, And a two-year audit of its civil rights practices faulted the company for leaving U.S. elections, quote, exposed to interference by the president and others who seek to use misinformation to sow confusion and suppress voting. So, again, we see big tech ramping up the censorship tools just in time for the election. They're going to, if you post anything about voting whatsoever, they're going to, quote, fact check you and send you to an authoritative source, which is going to be the mainstream media. It's going to be their DNC operatives. Um, That is your new Facebook experience. So good luck talking about voting with friends on Facebook without getting fact-checked by the AI Thought Police. Facebook removed over 22 million posts for hate speech in the second quarter. And of course, as we all know, folks, Those of us with big brains know that hate speech is not real. Hate speech is just a term used to silent dissent. Facebook removed 22.5 million posts for containing hate speech in the second quarter, the company announced on Tuesday. That figure is marked increase from the 9.6 million pieces the platform removed in the first quarter, so they literally doubled it. Facebook credited the uptick in removals to improvements in detection technology in its sixth Community Standards Enforcement Report. The rate at which Facebook identified hateful content before users uh, flagged it also increased to 94.5% just from from just under 89% in the first quarter. So what they're doing is their artificial intelligence is automatically detecting quote-unquote hate speech before users even flag it and then it's removing it, right? So they're using their AI robots to... Uh, Literally police speech. On Instagram, the platform removed 3.3 million pieces of hateful content up from 800,000 in the previous three months. The increase in removals come as Facebook faces escalating pressure over its handling of hate content. Unbelievable. What, What hate content? What does that even mean? Anyway, so they're using artificial intelligence to automatically remove hate speech, whatever that is, however they define that. Um, before anybody even reports it. And they've removed over 22 million posts just in the last three months, in the last 90 days. They removed 22.5 million posts. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Do you know how many hate speech posts Gab has removed in the last three months? Zero. None. Hate speech is not real. It does not exist. It is a tool to stifle dissent and to prevent the truth and uncomfortable taboo truths from being discussed and from being talked about. Bottom line, exclusive ByteDance, which owns TikTok, censored anti-China content in Indonesia until mid-2020, says sources. Chinese tech giant ByteDance censored content it perceived critical of the Chinese government on its news aggregator app in Indonesia. From 2018 until mid-2020, six people with direct knowledge of the matter told Reuters. The sources said that the local moderators were instructed by a team from ByteDance's Beijing headquarters to delete articles seen as negative about Chinese authorities. In a statement to Reuters, uh, they said that it disagreed with the claims and that it moderates content according to its community guidelines and in line with Indonesia's local laws. So, you know, this is nothing new. We've seen ByteDance uh, uh, censor anything that is critical of China. This should be this should come as no surprise. This is one of the many reasons why the United States should ban all ByteDance apps, including TikTok, from U.S. consumers. It is a national security threat. It is an espionage threat, it is a threat to free speech, Um, and something needs to be done. I'm glad the President is doing something about it because these stories are popping up every single day, and soon we're going to live on an internet that doesn't allow you to talk about uh, the CCP in any negative light uh, without being shut up. So. That is the new hate speech, right? (laughs) The new hate speech is is saying something bad about China. (laughs) Absolutely incredible. So that's all I have for you today, guys. Um, If you support us, please consider upgrading to Gab Pro. Gab is 100% funded by people like you. And we always have been for almost four years now. It's going to be our fourth birthday um, in three days, two or three days. So we're excited about that. You want to help us out? Help us cover uh, operational costs. Help us keep the site going. Help us keep building. Go Gab Pro at pro.gab.com. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and remember to speak freely.